What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you're tuned into Kinda Neat. Thank you guys for tuning in again. As always, this week on the show, we have some old favorites. They were my last podcast when we were doing Knox City Live. They were the very last episode of Knox City Live. That video still lives on the internet and is doing really well. It's a cool fucking video. TV Girl is in the house today. It's one dude, TV Girl. It's whimsical. First things first. Follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. Follow my man behind the boards, Ben Shim, making the shit sound buttery at I am database based with two S's, youtube.com slash that's kind of neat, where you're going to see Brad and the gang from TV Girl perform Birds Don't Sing, facebook.com slash kind of neat. I'm talking hella fast and none of you guys are going to pay attention to any of this. You can fast forward until you hear the beat if you want to, to skip straight to the interview. I came unprepared to talk about anything this week, but I do want to plug the fact that I'm going to be performing at the Troubadour for my birthday on July 11th. My birthday is actually on the 8th, but uh, we're performing there on the 11th. Me and Mark are headlining. My friend Speak is going to be supporting us. Cool Roy is going to be supporting us. I would love to see all of your beautiful faces there. Please go to Troubadour.com and buy tickets in advance. It'll save you a couple bucks and it'll make me look cooler to them so that maybe they'll let us play there again. I leave to Salt Lake City tomorrow and I'm hoping that I can get to do some fly fishing. That'll be tight. Without any further ado, here is the interview with Brad from TV Girl, a band that I am a big fan of and that I've been listening to ever since we did that Knox City podcast and you guys should listen to as well. Go to tvgirl.bandcamp.com, pick up their new record that they just released out of the blue called French Exit. It's great. Here's my interview with TV Girl. guys deal with a lot of janky shit uh, all the time dude just it's just kind of like found equipment and stuff yeah because our setup is pretty different from a lot of like i don't know rock clubs are used to yeah why like just because there's no guitars and stuff yeah there's no guitars and drums all it's all dependent on like sounding good through the pa and do sound guys get f- like that are used to rock do they get frustrated um sometimes they just kind of are not used to it they're you know they're, they're like you don't have drums you don't have amps like what what yeah. is what is your normal live setup? Is it three samplers or one sampler, two samplers? We have the Ableton. Everything's going through Ableton. and then So you got one guy on a computer. Yeah, and then we have two keyboards that are running MIDI through Ableton. Oh, okay. And then my sampler going, and then like just you know a lot of backing tracks and loops on the Ableton just like blaring. So you're on a sampler the whole time, and that's the only... Or are you on a keyboard too? I'm on the sampler. Okay, and then so then the two backing dudes... Yeah. Wyatt and, uh, and, Jason. and Jason are on keyboards, and then Jason's on the computer. Yeah. Okay. It's very tech. That's very. It's very future. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. And then each of you guys are mic'd. Yeah. I mean, at, we used to do the more rock band thing. Obviously, when you on the old. Yeah. Podcast. Last time we saw you in 2011, you guys had uh, Jason on the drums. Yeah. And playing samples on uh, like a, a MIDI drum pad. Yeah. And then we just decided. I don't know. It's just. I've seen so many people just do the solo. I mean, just getting away from a rock band format is kind of just something I've always wanted to do. You were on bass last time, yeah, and singing backups. Yeah, around that time, that was like the Benny and the Jets EP, and maybe a little bit after that, you you had you were singing some songs too. Yeah, I've sang songs um, on all all the the releases, right? But yeah, obviously Trung sang a lot of them. But I was writing most of those songs. Yeah, that's part of the reason I think like Trung wasn't really down he he's because i the stuff i started writing was a lot more i don't know like 
personal or more like uh, idiosyncratic, and he didn't want to like say those words as if they were him, right? Which right. I think really bothered him, right? Because it was like really, it was the script in your head, right? And sometimes it's hard to like. And read at from the beginning, script. it was more like just writing more of like I don't know generic things that anybody could could yeah. sing, yeah. And then I just started writing a lot more of the material, and yeah, everything, and just more from a more personal standpoint. So to not go too like uh, postmodern, essentially, last time we saw you, the TV girl, the, that nom de plume was essentially you and Trung were yeah. the were the writing duo, right? But you guys have parted ways amicably, yeah. And now still see them all the time. Yes, yeah, yeah, good good friends, <laughs> besties. And so now you're like the one doing the writing and the producing. Yeah, because I I, I was always writing most of the songs, which is why I don't feel too bad like carrying on the name yeah. without him yeah. because it's still from a writing standpoint, very similar. And from the beat making standpoint, which I, which I do all of still. And so it's just, I actually, you know, and on the new record, I, like it still sounds so much like a TV girl record that I didn't even really, I didn't pick up on the fact that Trung wasn't on it. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I, we, I didn't, I don't know. I was touring with announcing that, but I just also just didn't, feel like i don't know yeah like like we're not big enough that people really care right it'll be like, like a it's fucking not a big news it's not going to be like featured as news item anywhere it'll right? be like yeah it'll be like a byline in, in, <laughs> in your wikipedia page later right. yeah right what, what have you been up to since 2011 that's the last time i saw you well i don't know we've just been you know doing all the things that normal bands do we like been playing shows and just trying to figure that out and just writing records and just trying to explore like expand the sound and do you guys play a lot locally yeah we play a fair amount um we stopped playing a little while because of the because we had to rejigger the set yeah once uh trung left but yeah we've been playing a lot lately we're going Where do you guys out, play at we played at the bootleg and yeah. we played at like uh um los globos and uh we're playing at lot one is our tour coming up in July with Brother Tiger. We're playing at Lot One, which is like a really, really small place. I don't even know if you're familiar. I've not heard of it now. Yeah, it's just like real. I, for this tour, I was really interested in just playing like really tiny yeah. spots so we could pack them because that's yeah. just what it feels makes, better. Yeah, it feels good. It feels for better me. when you pack a room. Feels good for the audience, even. Like yeah. no one wants to be. There's a different energy. And when it's really packed, you can lose yourself a little more, like in the audience. You know, the audience that can allow yeah, themselves and, to and be it's a little also, more of a melt. There's not as much, I don't know, pressure yeah. <laughs> to like put on a, I don't want to say like not put on a great performance, but it's a lot looser. Oh yeah. At these smaller places. Yeah. I feel like, you know, being in an audience, like when it's a, a room that isn't packed, like you feel as an audience member, you feel like more pressure to just kind of stand there with your arms crossed and like not, you know, reveal too much about yeah. your listening habits or something. You yeah. Know Cause I mean? you don't want to like you don't want to be the kooky guy on the dance floor. That's true. Yeah, you don't want to be looking like you're performing to a a wildly packed, enthusiastic audience when right. it's not that because right. that just so, looks weird. Totally, totally. Because there's really just no way to win. You know, <laughs> if you're playing to like a, you just got to do the best you can if if the audience isn't like feeling it or if there's not that many people there. Yeah, it's funny. Like seeing as many shows as I as I've been to, like there are some people that can definitely turn it on even if there's only ten people in the room and they'll yeah. perform like they're in a fucking stadium. Yeah. I'm somebody where like if there's only a few people in the room, I'll definitely like make light of the situation. I can't like I, right. I can't. I have to go meta and be like, you know, this is fucking weird for me to play this in front of you guys. Like, yeah, it is. It is a strange thing. Yeah, man. So how's the move to LA been? Last I spoke, you guys had just moved into LA. It's been good, man. I like it up here. I yeah, mean, I don't have to drive anywhere like that bad, which I feel like that's the worst part of LA. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny when you live in LA, you realize that like there are ways around the traffic because right. everyone first thing 
Oh, I live in LA. Oh <laughs> man, the traffic. And I'm like, whatever, dude. Every once in a while, I will have to like wake up early and drive somewhere in the morning. I'm like, what the hell? How do yeah. people do this? No, totally. This is like, crazy. I would kill myself. What miserable. part of town do you stay in? Uh, I'm in Los Feliz. Oh, nice. Um, is that where you've been the whole time? Yeah. 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 So you walk mostly everywhere. Yeah. And there's, I live right by a subway stop, which is actually pretty nice. Not many people know there's even a subway in LA. I barely knew that. You didn't for know the, that? For long. No, I knew that there was. I've never used it. Yeah, if you, li- it. if you happen to live in the couple of places it runs, it's pretty tight. I mean, yeah, it I takes actually, me right downtown. That's sick. So they're building. I live in Culver, and they're building like. A, oh yeah, they just expanded out there. Yeah, so now the 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 west side one takes you to downtown as well. But I've, I've yet to use it. Whenever nice. someone says subway in Los Angeles, I assume they're talking about <laughs> sandwiches. So, uh, from San Diego. Yeah, that's like born and raised. Uh yeah, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Va- what? So it's like a suburb of San Diego. Where from? Uh, it's called Scripps Ranch. Oh, I've not heard of it. It's that. like north of San Diego proper, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it's, is it like, like nor- twenty minutes from downtown? Oh, okay. So it's not like North County, like not not kind of in the kind of in the middle of like downtown North County. Okay, what's kind of the difference? Yeah, yeah. How did you guys end up there in San Diego? Is it generations? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I think my uh, my dad was in the military. Marine. Yeah. Oh. And so I think that's why he kind of set up shop there by the time i was born he was long out of the so, military okay but. so he wasn't career military uh no i guess not yeah, yeah. He became a lawyer i guess after that no shit so he <laughs> did he like jump in the military to kind of like get his college funding or whatever you know what i don't know it's like something i've never really even talked to him about it's kind of a, a weird thing to bring up to be honest why just i don't know you don't you don't really know how, I guess, how sensitive some people are, like, what kind of tra- traumatic experiences. Right. And, like, when I was a kid, I didn't really understand Yeah. how that, like, war worked and whatever. Oh, so was he, like, in, he was in a war? He was in Vietnam or something? Yeah. Oh. In Vietnam. No shit. So is your dad a little older? Yeah, he's older. Yeah. How, for sure. Like, how old? He's how probably 70 now. Oh, no shit. Yeah. So do you have, like, uh, a wide span of sibling ages? or did I you, just have you, an older sister. She lives in L.A., too, and... She's a couple years older than me. So were you guys products of a second marriage or something, or he just got a late start? He had been married one time before, yeah. Okay. So do you have half-brothers and sisters? No, they never had kids. No shit. And, like, that's another weird thing. I never found out about that until I was a little older, too. Like his first wife? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just kind of something that, I guess, you, you know, why would you bring that up to a little kid? Right. Right. And, but it's like you just kind of assume your parents have always been married. Yeah. But, I don't know. I no, found right. out when I was about 15, it was kind of weird, but... As I get Whatever. older, like, I feel like the, the strangest thing about becoming a quote unquote adult is like finding out that your parents aren't infallible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause they're such superheroes to you when you're a kid. And then you find out like, Oh wait, like you were probably as fucked up as a, of a 20 year old as I was. Like, how crazy is that? Yeah. That is a kind of a, that is an interesting moment. I, when you start to realize that maybe like when you're hanging out with your friends and you're interacting with your friends, parents and stuff, and you start to realize like these people aren't like necessarily like that much smarter than me or right. like anything like right, don't right. have their lives in like the best control that's like a very like moment that's that's very like uh, separate yeah and the cra- i mean the other craziest shit is like seeing how you know we're in that age group where like people are getting pregnant or becoming <laughs> or doing whatever yeah and like you know ended up ending up married and stuff and i've seen so many like marriages and pregnancies start under like kind of suspect circumstances <laughs> where i'm like wait uh, i bet like a lot of our parents went through this same shit uh, like, definitely who's the dad and like okay i'm gonna pick the dad <laughs> like fuck it's so crazy yeah this is weird and it's like if you don't have a really kind of I don't know, open conversation with your parents. Like, yeah. I don't know, you might never find out the real circumstances. No, totally. Especially like, it's really awkward 
to even kind of bring up that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like, I've, uh, my dad is sick and this is not to make the conversation about me. So, but he's like got Alzheimer's. Right. And so mm-hmm. like, I've been trying to like, I don't really have a chance to kind of document his life. So I've like made it a purpose to like bring my mom on the podcast and get right. family history and shit. Is your dad still in good health? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I've really been interested in kind of my sister's, she's really good at drawing. Yeah. And I really wanted to kind of maybe, I don't know, just for fun, do like a document. Cause my, my parents have so many good stories they've told us over the years. And I'm like, yeah. that would just suck if like these stories, like eventually we're lost to time or something. Right. I would want to document them in some way. Like yeah, totally. In a graphic novel or something like oh, that. Oh, that would be sick. Just for like, I don't know, for fun. Yeah, that would be tight. So or your... just to learn the family history and document it. Just, right. I don't know, because right. it's important to yeah. my experience, I guess. So is he just kind of a quiet, stoic dude? Is that what it is? Like yeah. A, yeah. Yeah, much, like yeah. Like the fucking leftover Marine mentality, probably. Yeah, you know I don't know. I mean? he's, no, he's funny and everything. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's not... So it wasn't like... A, I it, definitely don't have the most, like, open... I don't know, like, uh, other pe- other families are way more... Not closer, but just a lot more, I guess... Loving? No, affectionate? No, 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 no. Okay. Nothing like that. I don't know. It's just, yeah. just other... Some people just have different... I don't know. People have different no. relationships with their parents. Yeah, yeah. No, my dad's a military dude, too, and he's, like, not the most affectionate dude. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. For, in my case, too. You but. know what I'm saying? So are mom and dad the same age? Uh, my dad's like uh, probably eight years older. Word. So he ended up becoming a lawyer. What did your mom do? How did they meet? They met on a cruise ship, actually. It's, uh, it's actually a pretty funny story. This is one of the stories I wanted, definitely wanted to document. They were My dad was just, I think he had been recently divorced from his first wife. Yeah. He was on a cruise ship just going up to Alaska just to sightsee and just oh, take a vacation. Swag. And my parent or my mom's family were on like a family trip. Mm. And I guess my mom, there was like some dinner ballroom dancing thing. And my mom saw my dad and thought he was cute or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and she said something to my uncle, her brother. Mm-hmm. And he, my uncle's kind of crazy and he's kind of kooky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he like went up to my dad and was like, Hey, I'll give you five bucks. If you like ask my sister to dance, like she'll really get a kick out of <laughs> no it. Shit. And so, yeah. And then they like, you know, they like fell for each other on that vacation. And like, and, and the other that- funny part is that my mom had been dating at that time this kind of loser guy. Apparently this is how the story goes. This yeah. guy named Tony Abalone. Get the he was an Abalone fisherman and he was oh, just okay. kind of like a hippie or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. Just kind of a, just kind of a, a weirdo. And then he was waiting for my mom when they got off the cruise and yeah. like my uncle had spotted him and he had to go down and like break the news that like they were broken up. Yeah. That's funny. He's, he's just like, like oh. kind of like walked away with flowers, like dragging yeah. behind him. Oh shit. That's definitely like yeah. uh, So what happened to Tony Abalone? I don't know. We'll you can know. see that as the last picture in the graphic novel. Like uh, yeah, that's just a good... Tony's fucking flowers falling on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Tony Abalone. I'm so sorry for you. Yeah. yeah I didn't realize that like your parents went on to become the basis of the movie Titanic. That is a beautiful <laughs> yep, thing. Yep. So, <laughs> so, uh, was she from San Diego as well? Uh, she's from Pasadena. Oh, from Pasadena. Yeah. And so she moved down to San Diego to be with him or was he, uh, was he uh, around the Pasadena area as well? Like what happened? They live, my mom lived in Marin County. Yeah. Up in the Bay area. Right. And they ha- were long distance for a, a year or something. Yeah. And then she eventually moved down because my dad had a job or whatever. Yeah. What was she, what was her life goals? What was she doing? She was pretty interesting. She had a pretty interesting job. She worked at one of the first computer stores yeah. in the Bay Area, like when computers were really primitive and no one really knew what so to like do with them. Selling Apple IIEs and shit like that? Or I don't even know. Before it that? Was, I think it was before Apple. I think it was like Omega or something. Uh, oh, and wow. it was like, yeah, it's funny talking to her about that job because it was like computers at that time were just like, 
you know, everyone's like, what the hell? Right. I'll never need one of these. What the hell would I ever use this for? Right. And she, she, her part of her job was convincing people like, you know, what to do with them. Yeah. And they couldn't do much back then. So one of her things that she would tell, try to sell people is like, you can store all your recipes in the computer. Like you don't need to write them down anymore. Like they'll all be in the computer and people are just like, whatever, like that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's crazy. But apparently there was just one guy who was like kind of her best benefactor because he would come in and just get like all he was like a total gearhead of those yeah. early computers and would come in and just buy like whatever new thing he had my mom thought maybe he was like a drug dealer or something right because he just had a lot of money and just like was really interested in like keeping records and right stuff. <laughs> oh that's interesting <laughs> it went on to be steve jobs yeah no exactly. that, that's crazy dude uh yeah that is a she was an early adopter on that shit yeah so she moves down to be with your dad in san diego and they start working on a family Yep. Yeah. So the story goes. Yeah, that's great. And so what's Scripps Ranch like growing up there? It's just like, uh, I don't know, it's pretty, I guess it's a pretty wealthy, like, suburb. Like, gated community type shit? There are gated communities there. I didn't live in gated community, but yeah. a lot of my friends did. What kind of law did your dad get into? Uh, I think it's, uh, like, labor law, like, uh, labor disputes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty, I guess he's a pretty good guy. That's tight. Like he's fighting for the good guys rather than right. Scripps Ranch, I guess, is pretty. It's one claim to fame is that in the big like fires in Southern California, it was like one of the heaviest hit. Ooh. So did you have to always worry about that during the dry season? I mean, I didn't worry about it, but yeah, somebody probably should have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was elementary school like for you? Like, what did you? Were you around kids that you enjoyed? <laughs> I don't know. What a good question. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah. Who wasn't? It was normal. I mean, fuck, I don't know. Some kids hated elementary school. They were Did loners. Did you hate elementary school? No, I was down. I was like fucking, you know, I was a popular kid. I liked it. I was down. The girls chased me on the playground. Ah, that's good. Yeah, it wasn't really my experience. I was sort of the class clown, I guess. Or I wanted to be a comedian when yeah. I was younger. Like, yeah, like when I was in fifth grade, I remember they had a presentation of what you wanted to be when you grew up, and I wanted to be a comedian back then. Nice. Like, <laughs> You're still pretty funny on Twitter, I think. Oh, thanks. Every every once in a while, you yeah, when I'm shit. not going on rants or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, about the music oh, industry. Man, Twitter is just so, I, I don't know, man. I have such mixed feelings about it. Who were your comedians back then? Back then, I don't know. I liked, you know, the Ernest movies, and I oh, watched yeah. The Simpsons religiously. I don't know if Same. I followed, like, comedians. Yeah. The kids in the hall, I would come home and watch. Did you like Saturday Night Live? Oh, yeah, like the reruns on Comedy Central. I would come home and watch two episodes of Kids in the Hall because they would start at 2 o'clock yeah. until 3, and then there'd be two Saturday Night Lives after that, and I'd watch them all. <laughs> what cast of Saturday Night Live was it? It was like um, Adam Sandler, David yeah, Spade, Norm MacDonald. That was the one that I got into. That was like this, the cast that got me yeah, into Yeah, I wonder well. if that was like the best cast ever, or it's just the one I like... I always wondered that nostalgically too. Nostalgically relate to. Exactly. Because <laughs> I'm always like, oh, you know, like NBA was the best when I was a kid. And I'm yeah. like, oh, Saturday Night Live was the best when I was a kid. And then I'm like, wait, like I was just a kid. Like, and that yeah. everything seemed awesome because you're just discovering it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but I've never really gone back and like delved I've gone in. back and watched it. Saturday Night Live is really good, actually. But I've never Sometimes. gone back and delved into like oh, the yeah. 70s, you know, like the, or like the, you the know, early, the, the 90s, early yeah. 80s ones or anything before it. You know what right. I mean? Like, so I don't I don't know. Who knows if yeah. it's the best or not. But yeah, that was a great fucking time so like did you have jokes when you were in fifth grade did you work on an act did i work on no <laughs> not really i no. like eventually did stand up later did in, you in college yeah for a little bit how did that go horribly why it is that is the most brutal thing have you ever tried doing it i've not i've not tried it and uh i've seen some friends do it and they, it's a varying degrees of success it's like it's interesting comparing it to music because when you're doing stand up and you're telling a joke, it's like 
the failure is so evident immediately. Right. Whereas in music, you'll it's still if covered you suck, by you'll perform a song and people still clap and they'll just sit there politely. Yeah. And so like you, you don't really know, I guess, whether you've succeeded wildly or or at least you don't know if you failed miserably with the joke. You say something and if that laughter's not there, it's like it's like a vacuum. Everyone in the room. is just uncomfortable. And cl- so, yeah, yeah. So fucking. I did it a couple times. I couldn't even. I couldn't hack it. It's so so cutthroat too. So competitive. Yeah. Even at the lowest of levels. I like would go and, and not get on and it was so clicky. Like people would make fun of me and no shit. Yeah. It was, it was pretty, I, I hated it, man. It was a club down in San Diego or what? No, this is when I went up to college and where'd you go? Uh, I went to Davis and I would do stand up in Davis and Sacramento and like Vacaville. Yeah. Sometimes. Was it uh <laughs> what was your styling? Were you like trying to be kind of alt or was like pretty, st- I was definitely trying to be alt like, um, one one liners and like just yeah. weird stuff like it didn't go over well it wasn't the right like because right. all my all my favorite comedians like do that kind of like anti-comedy or like, like how all like brett weinbach type thing it was more like who could i compare it to like a bad mitch hedberg or oh, okay yeah yeah something yeah. like that like absurd yeah like Whimsy. purposefully not funny thing sometimes right, right. supposed to be funny just, wow then you realize like people i'm in a such a bubble like most com- comedy is pretty much like you know yeah. Talking about your parents and making, doing impression impressions and stuff. Right. Right. <laughs> That's so funny that, uh, yeah, I've always thought that the, the comedy hustle seems a lot like the indie rap hustle because it is pretty apparent when people don't like you as an indie rapper. Oh yeah. You think so? Uh, yeah. I like, bet. Yeah. It does seem like rap is a little, a little more. Well, and you don't have a fucking support system when you're the only guy on stage too. Like with a ba- true, with yeah. a band, it's like it, there's probably at least one guy in a band who's going like, "Hey, man, that was pretty fucking cool. Like that was a good show, even if it's shitty." Yeah. Whereas like you just really feel shitty if you're the only, if oh, you're yeah. the only guy on stage, and it's like apparent that like especially with no comedy, you know, when I would go to open mics, the only other people in the audience would be other comedians waiting to go on, so they wouldn't laugh at you. They don't care. Yeah, they'd be some people would just listen, put their iPods in and like, write Work on their jokes. Oh, to go on. It's like completely ri- ridiculous. Yeah. So do you, do, does the comedy bug ever strike you anymore? Is that completely out of your system? <sighs> Man, sometimes I, I wonder, but no, I think it's, it's too hard. Yeah. I, you can, how many things can you really focus on? Like, I don't know. I don't do enough with music even. So right. You don't want to put, too, like, like, I don't know. Spread yourself then. Yeah. To like try to get good at comedy would be such a hard thing. I wonder though. I mean, I, I sometimes I think like if you're if you're like a talented artist like I bet someone who's like a really good rapper if they like gave that up and tried to do comedy or something they could figure it out because a lot of it is just it's stage presence it's is figuring a lot of it. figuring it out and like yeah. studying it yeah totally and some people are like not really naturally gifted and they just have it right away but I think feel like most people just who get good at something just work really hard and kind right. of study it and stick right. with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, my friend, Jonathan, this dude, dumbfound. I think you met him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So he, he, uh, he switched over into doing some comedy for oh, a little he? bit. Yeah. He was pretty good. He's funny. I mean, like he's like natural. Did he go by dumbfounded? He would go. He changed his name, didn't he? Yeah, now he's Parker. Yeah. I don't remember. Like, I actually saw him at the Laugh Factory once. Like, he had a kind of a fucking jump start because he had the, you know, when you got 100,000 Twitter followers, like, people, right. you know, people oh, were so like. So his, his fans of rap, his rap would come and see him? Yeah. Or, well, like, I think it just helped him, like, get on bigger stages. You know what I mean? Because it's like, you know, if he tweets it out that I'm going to be at the Laugh Factory, like, people will come. Huh. And so, uh, but yeah, he was pretty funny. Like, and he, he didn't do, it wasn't like hip hop related comedy or anything? It, some of it. A lot of it was Korean humor, like Korean yeah, jokes. Yeah. You know cool. what I mean? But yeah, yeah he was, he was 
You, guys, you, go, you went and saw him? I saw him once. Yeah, <laughs> it was funny. He, I mean, I, I was clowning. I remembered one joke that he said about like, yeah, you know, we won't, I, you know, we're modern Koreans. Like, we won't follow you around our store anymore. We'll just follow you on Twitter or something. <laughs> and I, I thought that was pretty funny. So anyway. I'm laughing. Yeah, yeah, it's good, right? Uh, but yeah, so I think there is like something to be said for like, if you have that stage presence, you've already put in some time like doing rap shit. It, it, I feel like it would Especially, cross yeah, over there's easier. There's a lot of rappers that, I mean, it's funny just by its very nature. Yeah. Uh, like. Our buddy Wax is trying to do um, comedy stuff now, too. And it's like that's the thing is if you're a crowd, if you do crowd work between your songs, yeah. you're already halfway there. Or writing a good punchline in a rap is you like probably the similar. Same, same feeling. Super similar to writing. Yeah. Joke. Yeah. Did you did you stay a class clown all the way through high school? No, I kind of like got into sports and what were you music. playing? I, I played water polo and swim team. No <laughs> shit. Yeah. That seems like the most difficult sport. I think it is. Yeah. That seems very I hard. I wasn't very good at, at uh, water polo. I could swim really fast. That's like what I got good at. Yeah. But I couldn't score goals like for shit at all. Is it, why is it like a combination of you have to have a good arm and be able to swim good or something? I think you have to like have big hands and like, oh. yeah, have, be, have a strong upper body and shit. And Is it true that water polo players <laughs> grow their toenails out to like scratch each other under the water and nah, shit? Nah, you have to get your... There's a, a referee who checks your toenails and nails to make sure they're not sharp. No shit. Yeah, I didn't before know. Before every game. Oh, no kidding. But people, I mean, that was my favorite thing to do, just like grab people's feet underwater and like pull them back because you get away with a lot of shit. Yeah. And people would get, get really mad at you, but you're just like, whatever, man. Like, yeah, yeah. Ref didn't see it. Like, it's all good. Right. Uh, what in fact, you... if people get angry at you, it's good because then they they're more liable to like foul you and stuff. So yeah, that was kind of like I had a really dirty game actually. That's tight. You're like the uh, Reggie Miller of water polo. I was like, I can't score goals. What can I do? I can just like I can definitely make people mad at me. That's there you pretty go. Easy for me to do. Get in their head. <laughs> yeah. Did you? Uh, were you a good student? Uh, yeah, I was all right. I guess. Yeah, you seem pretty smart. That's why I ask. Like, you have this kind of. Uh, uh, fucking disenchanted, like smart guy thing going on. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, I guess I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I was really into reading and stuff, but I wasn't good at. I don't know. I didn't get that good of grades or anything. So you were kind of like educating yourself in your own time, basically. Yeah, like, and, and, like, time? to this day, I feel like that's the way to go. I feel like if you're smart, you're just always you're gonna. I mean, I feel like people are born smart and not smart yeah. way more than people want to give it credit for. Right, right. Absolutely. Like, it's sort of like looks in a way. Like I feel like, you know, you're born, some people are born really good looking, yeah. some not so much. And some people dude, are just you got, naturally you got, smart. You got blessed with everything, bro. Oh, Fucking dude. handsome bastard. But no, I, you know, so you, like you're a lifelong learner is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I fucking was a voracious reader. Yeah. What, what, who were your authors? What did you like to read? Uh, in high school, I was way into Kerouac, like, like, like yeah. lots of young boys are. Absolutely. The Martian Chronicles was like my favorite book. I had a teacher assigned. I had a really good teacher who assigned like really hip books. Yeah. Like Vonnegut and Thomas Pynchon. I was going like, to say, you probably went through a Vonnegut phase. Oh, definitely. Yeah, same. And still probably Cat's Cradle is one of my favorite books. I think I'm going to get a Cat's Cradle tattoo. Really? My flirting with it. The one that got me into it, Cat's Cradle is the one that's like, so it goes. Or is that, or no, what is, which one is Cat's Cradle? I read so many of them, I forget. Is that um, the one with the ice, something ice? Yeah, Ice Nine. Oh, yeah, Ice Nine. There you go. Yeah. Uh, the one that got me into Vonnegut was um, Slaughterhouse Five. No, I, I, we never got assigned to read that. Uh, Breakfast the Champions. Oh, right. Yeah. I read so, that in high school. It, yeah. A fucking teacher gave it to me as a graduation present. My English teacher gave it that book as a graduation present and said, his writing. Uh, I think you'll like it because like, your writing reminds me of how he writes. Yeah. And like within the first five pages of Breakfast of Champion, there's a doodle of how he would draw an asshole. <laughs> yeah. And it's just an I asterisk. Yeah. And, like, I, I have like, a friend who got that 
on her foot. That's funny. Asshole. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to love this. I'm going to love this book. Yeah, so. man. Having a good teacher who's like hip to that stuff is like pretty essential. Like, yeah, absolutely. Man, I should go back and say what's up to Mr. Boyd. Shout outs. Shout out to Mr. Boyd. Yeah. That's how I feel about my English teacher, Ms. Lund. Uh, she was super tight. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So you're reading a lot and educating yourself and, but maybe not paying attention to school so much, but wait, but you got into Davis. Davis is uh, pretty good school, isn't it? I, I guess. I don't know. I don't think it's what you major in in English Oh, and something called technocultural studies, which I think only exists at Davis and might not even exist. Say anymore. that word again. Technocultural studies, technocultural studies. Yeah. What's what is, that? It was like, uh, it's sort of like sociology, but like with like how technology affects. Oh, so it's not an EDM art or how people major. interact. No, yeah. it's not an EDM thing. <laughs> Although I bet there's a lot of EDM fans, actually. I bet. In that uh, major. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, did you start playing with music in high school? Were you in band? Yeah, I was in I was in bands in high school. In bands or in band class? Oh, not band class. I started my own bands. What, what kind of bands? They were just like, I don't know, like <laughs> garage band. Like, they were trying to be really fun. They were like sort of really cute and funny. Yeah. Like, I had song. I would write songs about Back to the Future and stuff. And what like was influencing you? Like, I, I feel like uh, I always tell people when I'm describing uh, what TV Girl sounds like, I say it's like Jens Lankman. Or, yeah, Jens Lankman. Yeah, there you go. And, and like, maybe Elvis Costello and the Beach Boys. Yeah, I mean, I love all those. Yeah, like, w- w- did you pick up on those guys? I mean, did you pick up on, like, Beach Boys stuff or, like, Elvis Costello early? Let's see. What was that? I mean, I was a huge... The first band that I like became obsessed with really was the Velvet Underground. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And Lou Reed. And so I mean to my to this day it's like still my favorite stuff in the world. Yeah. And so yeah, I got I don't know, my sister would listen to really cool music. Like she would drive me to school. In How the much older is she? She was she's three years older than me, so I she was a senior when I was a freshman, so for a whole year she would drive me in the morning. Yeah. And just listen to cool music like sub pop bands like the thermals and like the microphones. Nice. And so that's probably like the first my first taste of like good music. And yeah. then like I had a friend, this guy Jake, who was really into cool music and he gave me this book called Our Band Could Be Your Life. And that's a really good book because it's just about the 80s, like, underground scene. And there's it chronicles, like, t- 11 bands. And so I, like, read that book and, like, listened to all those bands. And you listen to all those bands and then they introduce you to a world of, like, a bunch of new bands. I just became, like, obsessed with right, right. listening to old music, basically. So, yeah, so not only are you kind of educating yourself, like, in, in picking your own literature, but then you're, like, creating this kind of tree branch of like musical influence as well because you'll find out about one thing and you're the type of person that will also like oh okay i like this band who influenced them oh yeah definitely like i i do that all all day like yeah a lot a really good resource i use is like i go on allmusic.com and they have this this is like before spotify does this now also but just like you go on a band you like and it has related artists yeah it has like a list of 20 artists and they're all you know someone with a cool name yeah you look and i I basically, I have a rule. I was like, I go and look at, they rate records up to five stars. And like, if they have a five star record, like I'll download it immediately. If I can just listen to it, no matter what it, what genre or whoever it is. Right. And that's like, you know, I feel like that's a really good way to study like the great. Yeah, because I feel like you have pretty broad tastes. Because I know like you're also like beyond knowing a lot about indie rock and various like, you know, rock bands, like you're also into rap music. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When did you get into rap music? (laughs) Man, I don't know. Like when I when I went to college, I guess I started listening to like the BC Boys and shit, and then I just, you know, Jay Z and Nas, and then like you know that opens the floodgates to 
so many other yeah cool artists. And I actually tried to rap for a little bit. I did rap in college, like. You dabbled in all of the fucking failed white guy arts, comedy, <laughs> yeah, fucking rap. What man, else? My rap career was pretty miserable. I, I played shows in Davis and they were pretty bad. Really? How many shows did you play as a rap? What was your rap name? Um, it was the son of Sam. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> Super rap. There probably is like a real rapper. I bet name that. It's a pretty good name. That's funny. I don't know. I would. Pl- I think I. Pl- I played a show with Verbs. I saw you. Re- you're friends with him. Huh? Yeah, we did an EP together. Yeah, he he lived in Sacramento. He did. Yeah. Oh, I didn't he know was that. Up, he was up there all the time. So he was sort of like, actually like kickstarted a bunch of rap shows. I I played a show with him once. and Really? He has probably no, no recollection. Was of that, he I'm wearing sure. his red hat back then? Oh, definitely. Yeah, dude. Ver- I'm, Verbs is actually uh, a real like in the scene. He knows everybody. Supporter. Yeah, I went everybody to a, a heavy Hawaii show. It's like a indie, like unknown, basically one of my friend's bands he's in. And yeah. He was just, Verbs was like running the the sound or something yeah verbs does a little bit of everything yeah he's everywhere and then also he he's really up on shit too and verbs is like um been somebody who's always been part of my brain trust that like tells me like oh dude fucking you gotta check out so-and-so word yeah you know what i mean like i don't know yeah verbs is a good guy that's really crazy uh and there's this guy random abilities you ever heard of him no i haven't he's like a sacramento hometown hero yeah rapper and he was like always performing and i think i played a show with him and stuff i i once got a my only time i've ever been in Sac- sacramento i got a um uh public urination ticket oh really yeah oh come on man 211 bucks what were you doing playing a show up there the most expensive piss ever no i was uh, filming a music video that never came out and <laughs> Why uh, didn't it come out it just didn't come out good i mean i don't want to like throw anybody into the bus i just didn't, like i just didn't yeah, like the way it came out too. you know what i mean so uh yeah, I thought it was a bad look, so we didn't put it out. But yeah, afterwards I got fucked up. It was when four locos were like <laughs> pretty new and like they hadn't changed their formula yet. And I drank like two or three of them oh, and then some shit. other shit and was just out wilding. And <laughs> I was like, dude, I have to piss so bad. My friend, this dude that I had met, he was like, oh, there's an alley back here. You can go piss back there. Like it, it's, it's chill. And they had like a sting set up where they were just fucking busting people in this alley. Like they were, <laughs> really, dude, they busted us both for pissing and it seems like they were just parked there like giving out tickets they were parked point. in a car they were the cops were just like behind a dumpster back there. no they were like chilling in unmarked cars the two sets of cops cop oh, cars man, that's sneaky so. right oh man it must have been a very popular alley did they in. do that out there though i've known tons of friends up there who got public urination tickets yeah revenue stream yeah the dude was basically like well you can either pay it and like not worry about it or like you know if you don't think you're gonna be back to sacramento you cannot pay it but you're gonna have a warrant up here next time you come and i was like i'll just pay it yeah yeah so anyways don't don't (laughs) piss in sacramento yeah so you were kind of all over the place in college the comedy and the rapping and yeah you were just kind of coming into your own as an artist or what i guess so yeah i was just doing a lot of different stuff and then i started making beats i was in a rap cover band that was pretty fun how does that work it was sick we did like a full nas cover set of illmatic we played like uh like half of illmatic yeah (laughs) and like me and four buddies just like got a band together and did it and then we did like the next year we did like just a full cover set of like rap songs and we played at parties and stuff and then i started making beats and yeah, I mean, I got kind of really into that. Yeah. And I was like, my goal was just like to make beats and send them to people. And I like sent them to people, but they were probably so horrible. And I'm sure no one ever cared or listened to them. But, and then my, I was, meanwhile, I was back in San Diego when I would go home on vacations. I'd have 
I'd play in bands with like Trung and my friends, other friends down there. Right. Okay. So yeah, were, was Trung in like some of your early high school bands, the ones that were playing? Yeah, we were in a band called the Whale Tales. Okay. It was all sea themed. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah, because you said you were trying to write like cutesy stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. it was pretty cutesy. It yeah. was all lots of fish puns. Yeah. The name of the album was Why You So Blue Whale. Oh, jeez. Uh, man, that's very funny. that down that rarity, and then we had a band called the Movers and the Shakers, hey. and that kind of became like TV Girl eventually. Okay, and so you were playing bass the whole time. Yeah, I was playing bass, and did you and pick up singing. a guitar originally? Yeah, I play, yeah, that was my first instrument. What age was that? That was when I was probably around fourteen. 15. Yeah, you just told your dad like, "Hey, I want a guitar," or what? I I think I had a one of my good friends at the time was like starting to play guitar and I just wanted to copy him. Yeah. And so I got, I think I bought a guitar off him and then started taking lessons from just this high school kid down the street. Mm-hmm. And he's, man, I forget his name, but he was pretty awesome actually. Cause like he wasn't like a music teacher proper. He was just like a kid who was like in bands Yeah, and he was pretty good at guitar, but he didn't really teach us how to, it was me and my friend. We took lessons together and he's like, I'm not going to teach you how to play. I'm going to teach you how to like be in a band. Yeah. 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 And I'm, he taught us like how to write songs, not like how to play scales. Oh, that's tight. And that was kind of like, when I look back now, I kind of think like that was like a big like advantage that I had over other people because like I learned how to write songs, not how to play guitar. Right. So you and and that's probably good because you weren't thinking about like the technicality of the music you right. were making. It was more just like, does this sound like a song? Yeah. Like here's you know someone just telling you like it takes you don't really re- you listen to music your whole life but you don't really realize that a song is like an intro a verse chorus right. verse chorus. yeah bridge etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah like and some people who learn the technical abilities like you know they always say like oh a lot of people that become uh prodigies on the violin or whatever they end up never writing their own music or becoming like prolific a- artists they they get good at mastering and 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 mimicking and playing anything yeah i think that's really true but actually. they don't create their own music I wonder if that's just be, cer- certain people gravitate. If if you really gravitate towards something really technical, yeah, uh, you're not inclined to be create because being really mastering something technically is like kind of I don't know. Being creative, it, it's so messy and so yeah. like yeah. A lot of times you don't know what you're doing, and it takes a sort of like riskiness. And sometimes the beauty is in mistakes, right? You know what I mean. And then you have some t- some people. I don't know, like. I'm really fascinated with someone like, I don't know, like Eminem or something who's yeah. like technically probably one of the best rappers of all time. But it's like unlistenable now. Yeah, but but, but back in the day, he, yeah. was like, he could also like write a song. And yeah. that's kind of what made him so amazing at the time. Right, right. Yeah, he could write like a catchy hook with very yeah. technical verses. And like no one could, could fuck with him like technically. Like right. he couldn't say he was a bad rapper. Right. And now he didn't like his music. Yeah, totally. And now, but now as he's progressed, I feel like he's concentrating so much on technicality yeah, and weird. trying to, know, t- like, trying to like live inside the beat rather than like, you know, make a good song. Yeah, it's, it is. His new album was kind of, do you listen to it? Man, I listened to some of it and I was like, it's, you can tell it's like, it's still such a pleasure to listen to him like rhyme, Yeah, but the songs are pretty bad. I've actually not even been a fan of like his rapping abilities oh, really? for like the last probably, I, the whole last full album I listened to of his was the Marshall Mathers LP. Uh, yeah. Like I am, yeah, I'm, I'm like total snobby about that <laughs> shit. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> so then when you're in college and, and, um, you start making beats, you would go back to San Diego and, and, and form bands like over the summer yeah. and do an album. Like every summer, we just come home and do an, a new album, right? And just release it to no one, you know. Yeah, like, well, how many songs? Like, you would do ten songs, yeah, 12 ten songs, songs and in, just in a summer, 
Yeah. That's pretty fucking, that's a lot of music. Yeah, it's pretty sad. I mean, it's pretty fun. Like. And were you playing, was it a combo of sample-based stuff and instruments? No, back then it was sort of like sounding like the the Beatles or something like really guitar rock thing. And then I think like the summer right after I graduated college, like I came home and didn't know what to do or, or I don't know. Was just kind of hanging around. We were going to do another band, and then I like sent Trunk some of these beats that I was doing, and we just like wrote songs to these beats, and like that was in like a, a weekend. And or did you feel like, oh, maybe we're onto something? I don't know. We just had. The, we were just like, you know, that was like kind of in the glory days of like music blogs. Yeah, and we'd had some friends who had just like out of nowhere like blown up so what like oh nine yeah oh eight oh nine oh ten yeah 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 it's kind of maybe the tail end of it but like i don't know like we'd seen our these guys colts who were like san diego oh the colts are from san diego yeah not not the but colts are colts and they i kind of we had run i didn't really know them but like we had run in similar circles or had mutual friends and like overnight they just like they're huge blew up because of music blogs and we were just like man we should just try that yeah for the first time I just we we sat down and we were like what are 50 like music blogs that like feature artists we like and got their emails and just emailed 50 of them and see um, that's very uh man that's smart that like <laughs> I mean dude fucking so many people always ask like oh how do you do it how do you do this how do you do that and I, I like the fact that you guys just went like that's basically the real life equivalent of saying like I'm gonna google it you yeah. know what I mean like let's make a list and let's fucking figure out how to contact them all yeah, and back then it was it was easy. I mean, it's similar some and to some degree today, but back then it's like people were so, super stoked to Yeah, the contacts were on the website. They were on the website. It was, tell you how to super submit. responsive and yeah. it was, you know, it was awkward back then like uh, it was just cold calling people was always awkward, but just yeah. saying like we were like, you know, it kind of sounded like a mixture between Animal Collective and like, I don't know, just put a bunch of bands we liked and yeah, like yeah. I'm sure they read that and were like, "Oh god, like listen." But people will listen to it and yeah, because you guys had p- fucking posts on Pitchfork like pretty much immediately. Yeah, like a week. It was crazy. The week after we put that, out that first EP, it was like on Pitchfork, and that was a pretty uh, crazy moment. Yeah, that's wild. It was like crazy to see that plan work so like <laughs> fantastically. Right. It was just lucky though. I was like back, th- and now I do the same thing. I like reach out, and you know, it doesn't. It doesn't work. It doesn't same, blow right? up in the same way that it just. Yeah, and I feel like that's just a once in a lifetime thing. Yeah, so many people like picked up on on what you guys picked up on. I think you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, back in '09, uh, like you're saying, the glory days of the blogs. Like I would get all these fucking two dope boys posts and this yeah. that, and the other, and was and people would like congratulate me actually, like, dude, I saw your post on two dope boys. Congratulations! Yeah. Like that was a thing, you know. Yeah. And now, like those who won't even respond to me, if, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's just a different fucking it's era. A different game. It's a different game now. You got to have PR and all that stuff. Yeah. seems like how were you guys doing drums in the bands before you were using samples did you guys have a live drummer uh yeah because yeah. drums are hella hard to mic aren't they <laughs> we had this friend Wes who's kind of like in the early days was like our, our third TV girl member and he mixed and mastered all those those first two EPs yeah and like we were he lived in San Francisco at the time and we'd send him all the stuff and he'd because he was really into like music production and yeah at one point we were like Wes you gotta like come down and be in the band and he's like nah <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's cool like he just helped us make those because we had no idea about i you know at the time i didn't have any idea of like yeah. mixing and mastering yeah well your uh your process for making beats i think your beats are interesting because well it's funny to me that you say oh i, I wanted to start 
making beats to like send them to people because i couldn't really see like rappers using your beats at this point like <laughs> yeah. some of your songs make me want to be like oh i would like to rap over this because like the singing and and the way it works with the beat is so fucking tight that it'd be dope to have a rap verse on it yeah but like i don't know if i would ever pick out any of your beats to just rap on because they're they do sound like pop right they, yeah you know these I mean? these the ones that i'd make now for like the band are, are not like Back in the early days, I mean, you're trying to make bangers. I was trying to make banging beats, and I would rap over my own beats sometimes. So. Yeah, but I, yeah, it would be sick to like do that again. I should. What was your rap uh, subject matter? I was like at the time, Dash Racist had just come out. Oh, and, right. Like, I was like obsessed with them, so it was like super like absurdist. Yeah. Just nonsense, like cool rhyming words that sounded cool together. It was complete like abstract, <laughs> Wh- whimsy. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. That's well, that's funny. Then then you ended up on Greedhead for a record. Yeah, how, you were stoked. How stoked were you about that? Then it was tight, man. I just saw because I was following Himanshu's blog, and I just at that time, man, like our song was just getting like everywhere, and he had featured it on his blog, Which his one? personal blog. If you want it, okay. And so I was just like, all right, like I hit him up and was like, hey man, like I saw you feature a song, like big fan. Yeah, I think I tried to send him beats even. Oh really? And he obviously like didn't yeah, go yeah. for it, but yeah, he just hit me back and was like, hey man, I love you guys. Like, let me know if you ever want to do anything together, yeah. whatever. That's tight. Yeah. Uh, how does a how does a deal like that work out? Like in in was it just a digital release? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's like it was pretty much just a cosign, to be honest. I was like, right. They didn't, and we just released it ourselves, like we always did. And he like tweeted about it and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> which helped. That's what's. Yeah, that's so but funny. I, I don't. He didn't like you know really There's do no anything funding as far like as like that. funding or like yeah. advising or anything like that's that. That's a funny thing about like um, labels nowadays, or like you know the quote yeah. unquote indie label. Like fucking, I've always had people be like, "Oh, how'd you put out this record with such and such and do this and that?" And it's like. Oh, I just put it out myself and put their picture on the back of the album. Like, yeah, that's what, for our third EP, Lonely Women. We were gonna release it through this small indie label just because we thought, like, well, it's time to like put. Let's try doing it through a label. Yeah, so we'd always put it out ourselves. Right. And uh, it got down to like talking to him, and I was just like, "Wait, what exactly? Like, what are you even gonna do?" Like, right. He's like, "Well, I'm just gonna put it on iTunes and like." I was like, that's it? Like, yeah. <laughs> I could do that. Yeah, totally. And like, I wouldn't have to give you any money to do that. Right. And, and, um, yeah, I think the, the main benefit maybe in a group situation, if somebody else puts it on iTunes for you is that maybe they have like somebody that will split the checks so that you don't, <laughs> so you know, like there's somebody giving you the fair amounts of money and Where, you don't have to argue within the band about it. And that's yeah. What, that, although you don't really know what they're doing on the back end. Right. Totally. Yeah. yeah. It's all very strange. It's a strange wild west out there of digital music. It is. It is crazy. I don't know. Yeah. So this new one, you guys just put it out. You guys pulled a Beyonce. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Uh, I don't know. We for we had for a brief moment we had like a manager who was like pretty well connected and stuff, and we were trying to pitch it around to, to labels and stuff, and I don't know, it just didn't really take. So we we're just like, what are we going to do with it? We could just go through the normal thing, the press cycle that we had done before, like. Mm pitch it for mm-hmm. premieres and like do the album stream and all that stuff. But I was like, I don't know if to me in this day and age, like I don't, I just hate that as an audience member, as a listener, Same. I don't like it. Like if I hear a song, a single that I like, I'm just like, I wish I could hear the whole album. Like right. I know it's done. Right. Exactly. What are they doing? Like they're just teasing on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. It feels so weird. Yeah. And they just want to extend that conversation. But I don't know. Like well, I can I'm, see why it works. As the, sort of. I, and as an audience member, it's weird to watch it, but also as an artist, it sucks trying to like, uh, 
that fucking doll keeps scaring the shit out of me. The mannequin. <laughs> I just looked back and like got a literal chill. There's a mannequin standing in the hallway that they brought up. Sorry. Um, it's true. As an artist, it's like weird um, as well because when you try to premiere with a the site, they're like, okay, yeah, you can premiere your video on our site, but you have to list it private on YouTube. And then, right. and for the first 24 hours, no one else is allowed to post about it. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. So you're trying to make me who doesn't have as big a following as you shoot myself in the foot and like make this video, not get as many views because people can't search for it on YouTube. Right. Like they can only find it on Twitter. And then like, you're trying to disallow me from getting press from other places. Yeah. It's like, there's too much taking from the artist. You That's, know I mean? It's true, man. I don't know. It's a weird thing. It is weird. The whole like video, you guys are really killing it with the videos, but like, that's like really important to obviously like how music is done these days. And it's like, I don't know. It's, I've never really been, been into like, or been like very proactive about doing videos sometimes, you know, and honestly, I, yeah, Mark and I lucked out with our video because like, I hate, I hate making music videos. Like it's so stressful for me right. and I barely have to do anything for him and I, it's still stressful as fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? And also they're like, as like lame as this sounds, like there's a lot of pressure when you're like a rap artist to like be cool and look cool right. on camera and so it's like fuck it's like dude i'm not that fucking cool so like <laughs> i don't like i don't like being on camera that much you know what i mean yeah. like I'd, I'd rather they're just not it's just all so stressful but also we did it a weird way where like like ours wasn't done we were just releasing songs as we finished them yeah and just to see what happened and it seemed to work pretty good uh but you know i figured i figured there'd be backlash by the time the album came out and there was like only four songs that people hadn't heard before but i was like whatever uh, I'm a fan of the way that you guys put the record out because it is an instant gratification. It's like I saw you tweet, yo, the record's here. Yeah. Retweet it. And I was like, okay. And I retweeted it. And I was like, okay. And <laughs> It's I funny, f- yeah. Telling people to retweet it is like really helped. I don't know. Yeah, I was like, all right, I'll, re- I'll retweet it. I'm a fan. I haven't heard it yet. But then I was like, it was from my phone. And then like I got home and I was like, oh, yeah, I retweeted that. And, and I fucking went and downloaded it. And I've been listening, and I like it. I thought, and I thought that was smart because there's something to be said for an immediacy. Yeah, if and just put, having it all like as an artistic experience instead of having it be like a press junket thing. Yeah, like I don't know, it might not get as much attention if we had done it another way. Like, but maybe it gets more long term value because people consume it as one piece and they like like it all the more. I don't know. I mean, it's all untested. You can't really like, you can only experiment, but you, you can't really tell like if we had done it a different way, would it have been more right, exactly. And, and that's the thing too, is that every time you release a project, it just has to be a learning experience. And then you, and then eventually by the time you release your last album, hopefully you've got them all yeah. fucking combined to work together. Yeah. I mean, it's done as good as anything else we put out as far as people downloading it and buying it. Yeah. It didn't get posted on the big blogs like some of our other stuff did right right but i feel like it is just a different we used to have press people and like it's just funny to me the way it works is like i know the people who have posted about us in the past yeah. and like i can email them and i did email them yeah and it's just weird to me like if they saw that and like they liked the record they still might not post it because it wasn't like done through the channels they're used right. to which is just so ridiculous no i feel the same way because i am friends with some of these like you know quote unquote bigger bloggers like i keep in contact with right. them on a personal level and sometimes i'll email them and i won't hear back from them but it's like if i fucking chat them on gmail it's like oh hey what's up dude how's it going da, 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 da. but if i'm like oh hey here's a new video i put out that's the whole thing is like man it's a it it's it is a business for them and even beyond uh you know whether or not the music is good or whether yeah. or not they like it sometimes if it's not like fucking 
cool enough or if it's not a, a you know buzzy enough or if it, they don't think it's going to get them enough clicks it's like why bother for them you right know what I mean? yeah. which is which is such a crazy thing yeah it is. it's it's sad yeah yeah it definitely me. is i mean you can yeah. see a lot of the bigger blogs have just been going downhill as far as like quality control yeah or just having like a good aesthetic or just being different or like you know different from whatever mainstream publication they right. originally started as like the the solution to or like the anti thing right because now everybody's just posting their like the press release right and it's weird that pitchfork you know whatever like i'm sure beyonce's record is amazing and mm-hmm. worth listening to but i feel like i don't know pitchfork something like pitchfork or stereom is not maybe like i don't know like she gets so much help from like rolling stone or like whatever big right. mtv right why does pitchfork like need to right to write about her so frequently yeah, totally. It's almost there's like this kind of um, there's like a backlash against the backlash. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So there's it's too like many backlashes. Yeah, it's like all, yeah, exactly. It's like all of a sudden w- where it used to be cool to be the alternative. Now it's like, oh, the alternative is not that cool anymore. It's fucking all yeah. the cool shit's happening in the in the, the mainstream. It is weird. Yeah, it is because people are like in a in the, this indie scene where it's known as being like snobby or you know people have this reputation of hipsters being snobby there you go and there's like everyone's trying to go like well no we're not, oh, snobby. not snobby we love i love say. justin timberlake and you know? as if that's like an uh or like um redemption from fucking being a snob or something or if that's just like um uh avant-garde thing to do where it's like right. you know at the end of the day you're you're repping taylor swift and beyonce like the most popular artists in the world like right. that's not there's nothing yeah. dangerous or rebellious about that if you really think about it. only if you're looking at this yeah. bubble of like one percent of people who listen to indie music or whatever totally and it's like even though even if you're doing a think piece on it it's still like everyone else already has thought about it i don't know yeah i don't know i don't know there's just so much space that they could be doing for like young artists yeah yeah do you write like yeah uh, i do sometimes yeah like have you ever have you ever tried the music journalism thing it seems like something you'd be pretty good at you're, I very, do. you're very aware I do like writing about music. So I don't do it enough just because I'm lazy and I don't have time. But yeah. I don't know. I really, I was thinking about, I've always thinking about doing some writing, music writing. Cause I do love like discovering young band or like new bands Yeah, and just like repping them. Cause I, it's, it's still fun for me to just go on band camp and just look through like cover art and just like see something that looks interesting. And I, like, I don't know. That's like, that's great that you haven't lost the like passion for finding music. I mean, it's such a thrill. Like when you find something and you're like, this should be really popular. Like I can't believe that I, like I get to listen to this and nobody else like knows about that. It is like such a weird like thrill. Yeah, to me. you should start an email list or something. <laughs> I should, yeah, because I would I would actually subscribe to that email yeah, list. Cool. You know, uh, that'd be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what was the process of making this one? Was it kind of did you? For the performance we just filmed, like you had Wyatt and Jason helping you out, but I feel like maybe the writing process was a little more personal than that. Maybe you kind of locked yourself in a room and did it. Um, yeah, I mean that's how it, it all boils down to at the end of the day. Yeah, just me and my computer. Yeah, in my apartment. But you know, Jason. You know, I made the tracks, and like Jason has like a studio in his house, basically like a really janky you know home studio. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we ju- we just did it together, kind of over the course of a year mm-hmm. kind of wrote the songs at the beginning and then kind of buckled down over the course of a month and then you know it's funny because this is so long ago at that time that we actually did that because we were dealing with this like trying to pitch it to people for so long how, how long were you guys trying to pitch it i don't know we, we finished it and then it was like okay like time to start pitching and then it was like months go by and like you know oh there's this lead this freshman and then it's, yeah, like, it's like six like months old all these small nibbles and i was like all right well i guess i don't i just want to release it let's just during it during that 
this is something that I deal with being uh, like fully independent too. Is like during that part, do you lose all your other creativity? No, I'm pretty much always writing that's good. songs constantly. That's good. Cause for I, the last month, maybe I've like totally dedicated my like sites to like putting it out and stuff and yeah. making that happen. So I haven't been writing and my computer broke, which is like a big, uh, blow to that. Damn. Yeah. See, that's the thing is that I find that once the record's done and I have to do the marketing part and the, and the business part and the like production part of fucking getting the t-shirts ready right. and getting this ready and that ready. It's like, dude, I get so busy that I don't even think about music. It's true. Yeah. I guess yeah. I get that way. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tough racket, man. It is, man. But I don't know. I kind of, enjoy, luckily I enjoy that stuff. In yeah. A weird way. Same. I, I, sometimes I wonder if I enjoy the marketing part more than the music <laughs> part. So? Sometimes I, it's always it's definitely more more of a challange for it sure because like is. i don't know writing a good song or writing a song that you're stoked on is like you know you can do that yeah and that's totally in your control yeah but trying to figure out this game of like making this connection and, and all this is like a puzzle totally it's totally frustrating but it's in, a real challenge in the last podcast that i did uh, with my friend james uh we were talking about the same thing about how I, like the music is always going to be the music, but it's like this, the, the, the crazy challenging part to me now is like trying to figure out how to get the most people to hear it. Right. And, and so it's like, I'm not the type of person that will change my music to try and get more, you know, to get more, to get a wider span. But it's like, I will try to change my marketing right. techniques to get more people to hear the music that is always going to be like what it is. So I don't know. Blah, 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 blah. Um, do you guys have like a lot of diehard fans? Some, yeah, I mean, because I, I, and why I say that is that I feel like, uh, even though it's not you guys' following isn't like as massive as it should be in my eyes yet, but I feel like you are the type of man that does have like a cult following, like some people that will buy anything. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah, we have some, some diehards for sure. That's tight, and like, yeah, some weird, some weirdos, I don't know, (laughs) sometimes that shows, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, I, it's weird because I don't know. I don't feel like it's music that's so, I don't know, other cult artists like are, I feel like we're so accessible in lots of ways. So yeah, it's not something that builds a cult following as much, but I don't know. People really seem to like it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's dope. Um, how have the tours been that you've been on? Uh, pretty awesome. We went on like one big national tour, like probably right after we did your last podcast like, oh yeah yeah that we i think like the next week we like left for our big like oh no sure city, city tour of the south and how did that go it went pretty well i mean you know it goes it's like some some places are sick some places like no one comes yeah the times you least suspect it the shows are sick like i don't know we went to houston that was like the best show like who knew like, really we had tons of kids come out that knew you guys yeah like oh, shit. I, that was the first time i was just hanging out in front of the venue and then there's like these two kids are like oh my god that's tv girl no shit i I could hear and i was like that's weird that's tight and yeah this it's like we had uh all our shirts and everything and and at at that one show in houston all our merch got bought up wow like 30 shirts that were left and we were like fuck we got to get more shirts like for the rest of the tour that was like halfway through like this is awesome yeah so we actually on the road like made more shirts and then like yeah of course like from then on it was like two people buy a shirt like in the show and it was like that was just a fluke yeah i don't know what it is about that one city yeah i love that kind of shit it's funny so houston is like a fucking secret banger for you guys and then we're we're going on a big tour like 20 shows in july yeah that'll be sick playing a lot of like small towns that we never played before right when do you guys leave for the road? 
we go on tour in July. Our tour starts July 9th in San Diego. Uh-huh. And then we end up in Denver on like the 27th. So going all the way up California. Up California into Canada. Florida. Oh, into, all the way up Vancouver. To- we're playing one show and then like down through Boise. Yeah. And um, Salt Lake City. Salt Lake playing Kilby. Mm-hmm. I love Kilby. Oh, you played there before? Yeah, I played there a couple times. Salt Lake City is like a Houston for me for some reason. We, I have really a little bubble. I have a little bubble right there. <laughs> Yeah, actually, I have a funny story about Salt Lake City because the first time I played there was with um, I was the only white dude playing, and all it was a similar thing where like all my merch got bought out. Really, who were you playing with? Then? I was playing with um, Mike Eagle and No Can Do and Dumbfounded. I think I don't know if Dumbfounded was at that show, but it was the three of us, and um, a bunch of my merch got bought out, and they didn't sell shit. And I was like, "Yo, Salt Lake City's racist." <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny, yeah, man. but no, Kilby Court's tight. I love that place. Um, yeah, and then are you doing the Southwest too? Um, no, maybe no. later. I'm trying to go to the East Coast at the end of or in September. Sick. And then maybe Europe after that. Yeah. How do you guys do? You just rent a van, or does somebody have a van? Uh, we we have a van. We bought a van like years ago. <laughs> That's so smart, dude. I wish I would have been nah, smart dude, and bought a it. van. Don't really? do it. Why? I mean, if you're going to tour a lot, yeah. it's worth it, but we didn't tour a lot. Yeah. So we, I just have to pay insurance on it every month, you know? Mm. See, I f- uh, that's the thing is that I'm, I feel like... But if- you don't need a van, do you? I mean, you're just one guy going around. Kind of. That I- was my dream to get rid of the van once we did this new setup without yeah. drums. I'm like, finally, we can get rid of the van, but I don't know. We just kept it because it's comfortable. Yeah. See, I, I would like to just think that I could get on the road and just go, but I lease my car rather than, uh, rather than buying. Like, I lease, and so then... You only have a certain amount of miles that you can drive uh, per really? month, you know, Yeah. which is kind of an hindrance to touring. So either way, I would have to rent a, you know, I'd have to rent something. Yeah. yeah I don't know. I'm trying to figure it all out because I would like to I say don't it. buy a van. Buy my van, maybe, actually. How much <laughs> are you selling your van for? What kind of van is it? It's like a Chevy Express 2000. It's a, is it I running? don't know. I might keep it around for a little while more. Because I'm just saying, how much are you trying to get rid of it for? Cause Probably I might... five grand, I'd give it up. <sighs> Maybe we should talk about that. Yeah, dude, let's talk. Yeah, shit. Is it run, is it run pretty good? Oh uh, yeah, hell yeah. Oh fuck, man. Yeah, you might have you might have sold me, but that would be a very life altering. I purchase. feel bad selling a van to somebody. It's a miserable experience to own a van. Trust me. In LA, dude, I had to park it and, and street sweep it. Oh uh, yeah, it sucks. I didn't think about that because I do have to like move my car as is. Uh, yeah. always two hours every every two hours every day. <laughs> like once I stopped having a regular job, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a yeah. regular place to be and I'm like working out of my house it's like fuck every two hours I have to like go outside and move my car which was great as a cigarette smoker because right. then I had an excuse to be outside every two hours Sick. now that I don't smoke I have no reason it just sucks anyways blah 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 blah. plug your new record where can people uh, find it our new record's called French Exit you can buy it on our bandcamp tvgirl.bandcamp.com it's so good I really love it it's on vinyl those are going pretty fast so if you want one pick one up nice there's t-shirts and posters and all that stuff at the Bandcamp page. Yeah, you can download it for free or you can throw us a little something, something. I put down nine ninety nine. Can no, you put his money where his mouth is? The nine ninety nine iTunes special. I tell these guys that I'm a fan and I mean it and I bought the yeah, record nine ninety nine. And uh yeah, that's my new shit is I'm like trying to support people that I like. I bu- I've bought like three of my friends' records this this uh, this dude. month that's and I'm a good like, thing to do. Yeah, it feels pretty tight because I bootleg everything else. <laughs> so fuck it. But yeah, go to uh tvgirl.bandcamp.com, download French Exit. All your other records are there too. Yeah, it's you got the free. Lonely Woman EP. Lonely, Lonely Woman, Woman mixtape. 
right? Lonely Women EP, and then the Wild Innocent the oh, TV Wild Shuffle. Oh, Wild Innocent, that's what it is, dude. I get everything confused. <laughs> and then our other EPs, Benny and the Jets, Benny and the Jets, and the self-titled one. Yeah, and all, some other little goodies sprinkled in there. All of them are, are they live in my iTunes, and and I uh, go through them frequently. And uh, I'm a fan, and I think you guys will be a fan too. Your Twitter is at TV Girl. TV Girls with, with a, a Z. Z. That's right. TV Girls with a TV Z. TV Girl was taken. Okay. Fuck that person. They only tweeted like three times in 2009. If Yeah. Fuck you, TV, at yeah, TV Girl. Give, give the Twitter back. You got a Facebook that you do pretty well on too, yeah, right? Yeah. Hit that up. Facebook.com slash TV Girl or TV Girls. TV with Girls. A, with a Z. Yep. Branding. That was smart. That was smart, man. Instagram? Nah, not on the Insta. Sleeping. Sleeping, son. <laughs> it's the future. So you can't slide in those DMs if you're listening, but that's okay on Instagram. No big deal. Uh, yeah. So if you're in the United States, look for Brad and the gang traveling, particularly if you're in Salt Lake City or fucking in the north, Vancouver, Northwest, Northwest of the United States. Check it out. They're going to be around. Go download the record. Uh, my name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. You can follow my man behind the boards, Ben Shim, making the shit sound buttery at I Am Database, based with two S's. Follow us on YouTube, youtube.com slash That's Kind of Neat, where you're going to see Brad, Wyatt, and Jason perform Birds Don't Sing. Birds Don't Sing. Uh, it was very beautifully done. I've, I'm a fan. And you can see their uh, mannequin Charlene creepily standing next to them. Uh, she'll be on tour. Check her out. Yeah, she'll be on At tour Charlene. too. I got to say, you guys are innovators. You're the first person to bring a mannequin in to perform with you. So yeah. But I'm not da- the last, hopefully. Uh, hopefully not the last. <laughs> Facebook.com slash kind of neat. And download the podcast app and search for kind of neat and leave a five-star review or a five-star rating. Comment about who you want to see on the show. Blah, 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 blah. It's beautiful. Do all this stuff. Yeah, do all of this. And while Brad sits there, it's just looking so bored at all my fucking plugging. But I have to do it. I know no one's listening at this point. If you're missing out uh, on listening to this part, you're going to miss the fact that uh, I'm not saying shit. (laughs) My name is Lee. This was Brad, TV girl. That was kind of neat. Thanks. Later. It is a lot of plugs. It is a lot of plugs. I mean...